Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers. A podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. Looks like we've got veggies. Today we're speaking with Donna Williams. She is the founder and owner of Field Goods. Thanks for joining us, Donna. Thank you for having me. I just have a few questions in regard to the sustainable life and living a sustainable life because more and more people in my generation and younger are looking to live a more sustainable life, but we don't always have the resources to do so. A lot of us live in apartment buildings. I personally, I live in the middle of downtown and I don't have a front yard. I don't have a backyard. I know that there are options where you can possibly rent a space in a community garden or something like that. But what about other options? What are some other options that people can use, things that they can use to their advantage so they can also live a sustainable life and eat healthy and support their local community as well? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. There's a whole bunch of different options out there. You know, from the point of view of gardening and growing your own food, I really think having spent so many years now working with farmers it's really really hard and these guys are pros it's sort of like how many of us do our own account our own taxes right (laughs) um you know do you want a professional growing your food so i with respect to people growing their gardens and thinking about it in terms of really feeding themselves they have to understand that that's a big commitment in doing that in terms of their time and their knowledge base I think it's a fabulous thing to do. I think that if you have the resources and the time and the skills and that's the kind of hobby you're you're dedicated to, go for it. Actually, from a sustainability perspective, these farmers out there, our local farmers are doing it uh, as well as anybody. You know, there are community gardens that are popping up more and more, and there's gardens at school. And I think a lot of that is really beneficial from an educational point of view about produce. My philosophy on sustainability is to try to do a lot of small things, um, that it isn't necessarily about a few big organizations or governments doing radical things. I mean, obviously, that's very important. But these little things that we can do, and one of them is really food-related greenhouse gas emissions. And I don't know if, you know, how publicized that is or how educated people are about that, but the greenhouse gas emissions from food is are one of the most significant sources of greenhouse gas. And that comes from a number of different places. And one of the biggest is animals. So just by reducing the amount of meat that you're eating, you're going to make a big difference in terms of the environment. That's not something people typically think about. Mm-hmm. If you're not eating meat, you got to eat something else. And produce, you know, obviously is a logical choice uh, for that. So just by making that transition, you make a big difference. Wow. I never thought that when you think about greenhouse gases, you always think about driving in the car and all the smog and everything on the highway. And you don't think of it like that. But just from you telling us this little bit of information here in those few minutes, it's kind of mind blowing to think even down to the minute things of, you know, the type of food that you're eating, Mm -hmm. how much of an impact you can make in your environment and for future generations. And along the lines with food, uh, with food related gas, a lot of it is waste related. So people think about that's the stuff that you throw away in your refrigerator that you're not getting, that's not actually the biggest part of waste that's occurring throughout the food chain. So when I started the company, that was one of the things that I I really had in mind was, okay, how am I going to reduce food waste? Because 
that'll help me reduce costs and it's also will impact the sustainability impact of my business. And where that food waste happens is actually primarily in the field, right? So when you look at the stuff that you get in the grocery store, it's pretty much perfect looking, right? You know, the peppers yeah. are perfect. Yeah. Everything's, it's all year round. Shiny. It's and... shiny. <laughs> it's, it's, all the carrots are the same size, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, to make that happen, you need to really manufacture the produce. You know, just like anything. Sometimes I call it Barbie food um, <laughs> because it, it's perfect. And so that requires manufacturing inputs, if you will, like chemical fertilizers, pesticides, and that kind of thing, fungicides to um, really protect that product. And it requires culling. And that is selecting the best looking product or in the right sized items in the field. So a lot of things get left in the field. So they've got all those inputs in them, if you will. You know, they've been fertilized and they've been sprayed and all of that. And then they're still going to sit out there. Um, so that's a big part of food waste. And then it has to move along the distribution channel. So it has to go to a distributor and they have to buy enough for their retailer. So they're going to have some stuff left over. And then it moves to the retailer. And the grocery store doesn't have that broccoli two weeks in a row, you're not all excited about going back there, so they have to buy extra. So there's loss that occurs all along that channel that people don't really think about. What we do is we buy directly from the farmer and we pick for the customer what they get each week. And why that's important is that you're not making visual choices about what you're getting. So when you get funky looking carrots from us, you know, stuff that's grown by small farmers, you're just thrilled about it because it tastes fabulous. And right. that's the thing. They yep. taste so much better. I've been subscribed to Feel Goods for a while, but um, my daughter and I, as I was saying before, we never really ate salad. But when you're eating local salad, there is so much more flavor. And even the carrots, if the carrots look funky or the potatoes look a little weird, you know, we laugh about it, but they taste so much better. Yeah. And a lot of things, too, are smaller and they taste better. And you don't get these grapefruit-sized apples that right. don't have any flavor. You know, those things all play a part in, I think, in food waste, too, because if you buy something from a store that's conventionally grown or it's grown with, you know, GMOs and all this crazy things added to it, it doesn't taste like anything. So you end up throwing it away anyway. Exactly. And one of the things I don't know if you received, but we do something we call fingerling potato sweet mm -hmm. potatoes. Did you have those? Well, there's no such thing as a fingerling sweet potato. That's a particular type of potato. But what that is, is that's part of the sweet potato root that's just not looking like a regular sweet potato. It's small, it's skinny, it's mm -hmm. funky looking, and it's normally culled. But we had a farmer that said, hey, this stuff is the, these are the greatest things around, which I think they are. Mm -hmm. It's like candy because they're small. And, and it, you can roast them in a few minutes and be done with and it. And be done with them. Yeah. So it's one of these things that we can introduce because we just put it in the bag for you and then you're stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're loving it. So, you know, that it was all part of the idea and how to make this company really sustainable and think through a lot of little things that can contribute to um, sustainability. And that's why, you know, we talk about, as I said, small things, because I think that people can make a lot of little decisions that'll make a big impact collectively about what mm -hmm. you're doing. And I think waste in all parts of our lives is really important to consider. So that's part of the, it goes into the ugly food movement that's sort of springing up now is that yeah. eating imperfect food. Right. And I like to think we were way ahead of the trend. <laughs> you know, we were doing that five years ago. In fact, uh, one of the things we did is we work with, you know, a lot of small farmers. They ne don't necessarily have big resources for processing and cleaning and that whatnot. And we got a whole bunch of onions. 
mm-hmm. from the Black Dirt region, which is it's down in Orange County, and and the dirt is black. It is <laughs> it is black, and so we got all these onions covered in black dirt. We knew they were fabulous, but we we're like, oh no, what are we going to do? So we just called them dirty onions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know the truth of the matter is is that if you keep the dirt on it helps the storage life so oh, farmers huh. will store the products with dirt on them and then wash them so is that better at home also? Uh, well that's what we tell people if we you know send you something that's got dirt on it or isn't you know don't wash it really with root vegetables until you're ready to use it hmm. so that's why my kitchen floor gets really dirty when i pick up the farm share <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so um, why is the dirt black there? Uh, oh gosh, that's a geology question. <laughs> it's it, it because it is. Uh, <laughs> it just is. It just is. It's a deposit of some glacier thing. Thing. Too bad we're not in a call-in show because somebody yeah, would call someone in would it. definitely call in. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it makes that actually that grad that's very well known for onions, sort of famous black dirt. But a, a retailer I noticed a couple of years ago, I was on their website looking, and there they had. Black dirt onions. I'm like, no, no, no. I thought. (laughs) (laughs) But first, black dirt onions versus dirty onions. I don't know. I think dirty onions is a cooler name. name. (laughs) It's fun to eat dirty food every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we get, uh, when I first started, I had some high school kids working for me. And uh, and and root vegetables come in all sorts of shapes. So, Mm -hmm. um, and we were... Their imagination was running with what some of those body parts are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the potatoes and whatnot looked like. So, do you have a uh, a recipe you really like for a seldom used vegetable that someone may get in a farm share or something that they don't know what to do with? Well, you know what I I think is great are pestos. Like people think of basil as the only pesto ingredient out there, and you can make pesto out of anything, <laughs> parsley. Talking about ramps, you can make it with one. My absolute favorite I is. I love ramps. <laughs> have you and have you had garlic scapes? See, oh my God, yes, yes. I love them raw. Yep, and as in a pesto, they make the best pesto ever, and they stay bright green. And that's another product that's really it's it's sort of just popped up. We've been doing it as I said for for years now, but it used to be just thrown away. It's the flower. The, the farmers go through and they cut the flower stalks off the garlic in order to have the, the energy go into the bulbs, and then typically they just toss them away. And now they're selling in New York City for, you know, I don't know, you know, 10 to $12 a pound. Oh, wow. Um, and again, it's just something that we as Americans, you know, we aren't as adventurous. But now with this local food movement, things are, you know, people are trying new and different things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, a, you know, we do things like watermelon radishes is something I like to talk about that are mm-hmm. fabulous, that are magenta on the inside. Yes, that's amazing looking. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to offer people that kind of variety and for people to eat that variety because there are things, and again, this speaks to sustainability, that just grow better than other things in the Northeast. Trying to really force crops that don't do as well in our climate is not as beneficial as mm-hmm. really getting people to try things that do very, very well in our, our climate, in our soils. we got to use what we got. we got to use what we got. Exactly. Typically, we like to end with a, a funny story of some kind. Do you have any relating to your <laughs> specialty? 
Well, I mean, we've got, you know, we're a startup, so uh, we have more funny stories than um, you have time um, <laughs> because everything can go wrong in a startup. Another thing I like to say we invented was vegetable roadkill. We had a driver, very nice fellow, and he got to one of his delivery locations, and it was one of our larger ones. And he said, I can't find 15 bags. That's, you know, we deliver the bags. Now, we can't figure out how we didn't get these bags onto the truck to go to the. We've got a pretty good. Uh, system set up and we look we looked everywhere we looked everywhere for these vegetables and you know they weren't at the place before and etc so what we did again because we're a scrappy startup is we whipped up 15 bags and then we sent them out on a different truck and I said to the driver you trace his route back the one he took to get to that place and see what you find as I had a suspicion and sure enough she found vegetables strewn <laughs> all oh. over the road and what had happened is he hadn't closed the door tight enough he'd rounded a corner and boom <laughs> oh man <laughs> flew all over the place so some animals had a nice dinner that night yeah. Yeah. Exactly so. yeah so she did her best to like you know put it on the side of the roadkill um, <laughs> and uh, collect what she could but yeah that was one of the many field good stories that we have so are you going to name uh, what, that old truck after Ray? Many I like that, Smiley Ray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm going, uh, yeah. <laughs> it it kind of fits, Ray and Smiles. Sunshine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Something like, like sun that. Rays. Some, sun Rays. Yeah. yeah there there you we go. go. It's fun naming. We used to name all of our, our coolers, our walk-in coolers, too. <laughs> well, then you know what you're talking about. No, no, no. The garlic scapes are in Bessie. <laughs> Potatoes are in Bertha. That's it's, way better than us just naming our studios after letters. Yeah. Yeah, you should name them after me. <laughs> this can be the Donna. I'll bring studio. it up. I'm yeah. not sure how it'll fly, but I'll bring name it up. Name it after vegetables. All right. Well, vegetables Donna, thank you so funny. much for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. That was Donna Williams, founder and owner of Field Goods. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs>